The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Thank you, man. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure that you're subscribed to our show. And for all of you on YouTube, hit the bell so you can be informed of all upcoming shows. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of the Lafia Bible Fellowship's online podcast network of shows called the VRN. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at pdf.org where you can access more resources donate and learn more about abf and our local church in portland oregon and now that all of that is said i'm pastor josh the senior pastor over at abf and your co-host for this show and this is pastor monty welcome to truth time this is pastor monty and sitting with me here is pastor josh hello and we're going to be covering a bunch of stuff today uh, and we're going to start out with the uh, Christ Actor. We are still in chapter 2 of the book of Colossians, and we are at verse 20, and we'll finish up uh, chapter 2 today um, as we we progress through the book of Colossians. So this is, I think, a, a wonderful set of verses that we're looking at, um, starting at, at verse 20. Let me read for you. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish for use, uh, with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Well, that's powerful, and particularly powerful for today because of what we see happening around us. Let's, uh, let's take a look at this for a second. So remember that the Apostle Paul is alluding to the fact here that as believers we have died to self, we have died to this world, and we are raised in Christ. We are raised in Christ as new as a new creation. And the whole purpose of our walk as believers is to learn how to walk as those that have been set apart and are no longer uh, entangled with the things of the world. Now, I think one of the hardest things that I experienced when I was a young believer was um, the enormous amount of uh, rules that people like to have in place. 
you can't touch this, you can't do that, you have to be up at a certain time, you have to pray for so many uh, hours when you get up. Um, you know, there there was just all these different rules. And as a young I feel believer, like you still have that problem as an older believer too. No, I don't. You you don't you you do not like it when people impose upon you. Oh, you mean that I don't like people putting rules on me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. I don't. I don't even today. Yeah. Um, I conform to those rules which are beneficial for me to conform to, mm-hmm. but but I don't. You know, I'm not a I'm not a rule person. Um, but as a, a but but particularly inside of the church, um, there's a, you know there are there are a lot of people that get into power inside of the church that have baggage with them. I'll I'll, I'll never forget. Remember when Monty was going to seminary, and they were angry with him because he wanted to read from scripture off of his off of his yes. phone or his tablet. Yes. Because we you know, scripture is not scripture unless it's in a hardbound <laughs> right. unless it's in a hardbound uh leather hardbound Bible. I always bring up this example and I think that it's funny, but I imagine that that's the same thing that happened when people started using codexes instead of scrolls. Yeah. That's not the scripture. You gotta use that scroll, boy. Or when uh <laughs> or 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 when uh, the uh, Gutenberg's right, press right. was uh, developed. That's not <laughs> the scripture. It wasn't written by somebody's <laughs> hand. Yeah, yeah. So um, we, go, we go through these times where people just have this niche that they want to control people, and uh, particularly in the church, and tell them what they can or can't do. I don't know why, but for some reason, I in my mind, that version of that Judaizing cynic is you know, from the Appalachian Mountains or something. <laughs> Gotta use that scroll, yeah, boy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Licks his lips and touches his belly button. Nice. So, <laughs> so what the Apostle Paul says is that all of those rules and regulations. See, he's coming from the standpoint. Now, remember, he he was a uh, he was a, a Jew of Jews, and the the uh, the Jewish faith is all about rules. Oh my goodness! If you wanna, if you wanna understand the the uh, extent to which rules exist within Judaism, go back and read. Uh, go back in the Old Testament. I know that's novel for some of you. Maybe it shouldn't be though. We we should be familiar with the Old Testament as well as the New. Go back into the Old Testament and read Numbers and Leviticus. And and look at all the different rules that are there, man. They cover just about everything you can think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, stuff that we don't even, you know, uh, stuff that would uh, that would curl a prude's hair. <laughs> I mean, they, <laughs> they talk about bestiality and all kinds of different sexual uh, sins. They talk about how people are to interact with each other. I mean, it's just. You know, there's all kinds of stuff there. It's covered. Uh, so go back and read Numbers and Leviticus. You'd be surprised. So the the Jewish faith was all about rules and following those rules. Now, out of the Jewish faith then uh, came two specific sects that um, one of which uh, the Apostle Paul was, uh, as I say, was a Jew of a Jew, but he, the Pharisaical sect prided themselves on being able to mate match all those rules mm. and 
um, the Sadducees were not as big on the rules as the uh, Pharisees were. But the Pharisees, but, but remember, Jesus had strong words for the Pharisees. He called them whitewashed sepulchers. That's, that's pretty nasty. You might want to explain that. You, you know what a sepulcher is? A sepulcher is a, is a crypt. Yeah, sepulcher. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, a, a, uh, it's a place where you store dead people. Right, 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 right. And he's basically saying that on the outside, it looks all pretty and clean, but on the inside, it's filthy dirty with, with uh, dead stuff. Well, it goes, it goes further than that, right? Because what they used to do is they would use these, and then they would clean the inside. This is why they call it whitewash. They'd like paint, clean the inside, do the whole thing to make it seem like it hadn't been used. Which is a whole, that's a whole no-no in, in uh, Jewish um, oh yeah, ceremonial culture, right? Because yeah. if the unclean has touched it, then it's unclean. And yeah. so it's, it's not just that it is n- dirty on the inside, it's that it's selling itself even on the inside as something that's not true and lying about its used nature. And so, you know... It's a harsh statement. It is. And the Apostle Paul is... The mic drop from Christ. It's... uh, The Apostle Paul is basically saying, look, that stuff is just... uh, It's it's worthless. He said it has the appearance of wisdom and self-imposed worship with false humility. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. There are so many in the church uh, at large that have this false humility thing. And uh, but and so he says, you know, but but look at the last verse here before we go into chapter three. He says, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. You know, you can put all of the rules that you want to in place in order to try to protect you from the uh, from the issue of sin and from the issue of of uh, you know the demands that are there uh, of the body, um, you know. But but unless you have a recognition that uh, self is dead, and you live now for Christ, and you rely on the Holy Spirit to give you strength and guidance to overcome uh, these issues that uh, that we deal with as in our humanity, um, his point here is that it's useless. Yeah, it's a question of what the rules are used for, right? And th- and that's really that's really at the heart of this conversation because basically the the pharisaical class along with the Judaizers and you know anybody who's in power um was using these rules in order to bypass the grace of God. And that's really what it comes down to. Right. Uh and what Paul is saying is you can't do that. And he's not saying, and, and I want to be—I want to be clear about this. He's not saying that rules for daily living, um, discipline in your life, where you've got lines that you don't cross and you stay in structure, that you live a narrow path. He's not saying that that's bad. He's saying that it doesn't do any good if what you're trying to use it for is to bypass God's sanctification through His grace. You—that's not going to teach you discipline. That's not going to teach you to live within within that that narrow path. In fact, all it's going to do is uh um make it harder, make it worse. And you know, he goes into that in other books. And so, we got to be careful to not give the impression um that the law is 
a bad thing. In fact, the law is a good thing, according to Paul in a different book. Uh, but its purpose is not actually to make you sanctified. That's a whole different thing that happens that makes you sanctified. Sanctified meaning to uh, which, achieve. Which is also in another book. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, you know, sanctified meaning to achieve the status of which, well, the process of achieving the holiness that you've been deemed, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a whole, if you want that, that's what's going to get you there. And what you can't have, according to Paul, is people running around saying, if you're not doing these things, then you're not going to be sanctified, you know? Or that this is like a picture of your sanctification if you're not doing these things. That's not what it is. That doesn't give you a relationship with God. That sets you up for failure uh, because you're, your focus is in the wrong place. And it actually creates a lot of the problems that people tend to avoid, which is why, you know, it's really sad, but you have a lot of the, um, the big-name preachers who, uh, big-name preachers meaning like televangelists, you know, out of the 80s who, you know, were into all sorts of lascivious behaviors secretly because these rules that they were preaching weren't about uh, creating a relationship with God that then naturally um, produced sanctification. They were about works, essentially. Yeah, and I I for and Josh's point is extremely important because think of it as a as as how you would um, how you would deal with a small child. So when you're a when you're a um, dealing with a new believer. Um, you work with them to set a narrow uh, restriction. I, I prefer to use the word parameter, but you yeah you, you boundaries yeah boundaries. You set you set narrow restriction through boundaries and parameters to say this is not a line you, you need to cross, and you then you teach them why it is that that's not a good thing. So you 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 guide them in that process. And then as they get older and they come to a larger understanding, they mature in their faith, um, then you can move or adjust those boundaries uh, based upon their maturity. And that's what's supposed to be happening. You know, these, these uh, guidelines that are set down are not something that are like, uh, you know, locked in concrete or a cage. Um, because what will happen is as maturity as as maturity takes place and believers begin to uh, to grow in the process of their sanctification, those boundaries will become a jail. Yeah, there's a, yeah, I prefer the term, um, but we're saying the same thing, but I prefer the term uh, um, wow, direction. Um, okay, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but y because, I think when we use restriction, so I think people operate best on direction and not restriction, right? So I think when you're, think of it as... Um, so what you're saying is do this instead of don't do yes. that. The narrow path yeah. is a go here and only this way, as opposed to don't go here, and therefore you're left to sort of wander a narrow path because you can't go anywhere else. And that's, so if you really want a person to mature, you send them down the narrow path and say get from point A to point B, you know, stay on this path. This is how you're going to get there. Sure. And only stay on this path, Don't, you know. And so, um, uh, and I think in parenting, a lot 
of the difficulty in parenting where parents maybe seem lazy or parents don't know what to do is that they are using restriction rather than um, rather than uh, direction, de- right. defining direction yeah. very, very carefully. Yeah. But it is, if you look at the scripture, there's not a lot of places where you have restriction, right? There are some, and they are revealed, um, and it's in the scripture. So when we talk about things like homosexuality or bestiality, or um, fornication or adultery, incest or, or any yeah, any yes, anything yes. like that. Uh, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, don't blaspheme the name of God. These are restrictions. They are akin to walking up to a cliff and the cliff having a sign saying, "Don't get closer than this," you know, or "Do not enter." That's what that is. But in most of your journey, it's more like, uh, you know, Portland, a hundred miles away, this way. You know, so you can get from point A to point B easier. Or here's the speed limit. Um, you know, those things are suggestive directions to a degree. Whereas, you know, you're gonna die if you walk off this cliff. You know, at the Grand Canyon. That's, and a lot of people don't understand the difference between those two in the scripture. They don't understand that one is directive. Another way of saying that would be. Uh, prescriptive versus descriptive. Right. That's another way that um, that's talked about a lot in terms of what the scripture gives us. So the so the importance here, as far as the apostle Paul is is saying, then is that do not rely upon these these uh, things that are made for the purpose of being restrictive and are man made and and really have more of a focus on on the uh, the physical not the spiritual it, but you've been set free from that he said you have been set free from that you're no longer bound by that yeah let me just from a, a personal anecdote one of the things that used to bug me in my in my dating years which i didn't have for the record but in the years in which my peers were dating um was they would constantly uh talk about restrictions and they would say, oh, you can't hang out with a woman because if you hang out with a woman, then you're going to go this route, you know, or you can't do all of these things, right? And they would say this, and that's not my mindset, right? My mindset is more parameter-based. So it's I've got a destination that I'm going to, and so I need to stay within the narrow focus of going into that destination and not get distracted. But it turns out that in most cases, these people, sincere believers, who were telling me you can't do these things, were saying don't do these things, but they themselves were doing those things. Mm-hmm. And me, I don't live by their rules, but I was able to stay pure in my relationship with God and eventually my relationship with my wife. I was able to not bring those things in because my focus wasn't on not trying, or my focus was not in trying to not do those things. It, it wasn't in trying to not, you know, uh, you know, do those things, right. not to cheat, not to lust, whatever. It was in trying to be a godly man. Right. And in trying to be a godly man, I was able to avoid those things because my focus was to get from point A to point B and not get distracted. And so it always kind of irked me that people would accuse me because I was like, well, you don't actually have to live by those things. They would accuse me of being lascivious or accuse me of being, uh, you know, loose-tongued or whatever, but I actually live in an incredible amount of restriction. 
And I think that's what you need to, to go for. If you are a person who is um, directive in your life, then you will be able to live in the confines of the restriction that you, that you seek. But if you're a person who's restrictive in your life but don't have direction, then you will not go the direction that you are trying to because you will be stuck by your restrictions. Yeah, yeah, and and what it, what actually it, it ends up happening is that is if you if you have individuals placing restriction upon you and telling you what you should do, you can't do, you you know, etc. as the apostle Paul has alluded to, which was commonplace even amongst the early church, if you have somebody from the outside telling you these things, then that's an outside force. And uh, maybe Josh thinks that you know, Pastor Judge thinks that I'm, I'm a little bit extreme on that, but but uh, people rebel against outside pressure. But if I'm if 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 I determine, based upon Scripture, if I determine that this is the way that I want to approach things, then that's me with the Holy Spirit setting those boundaries that I want to observe because it's uh, it's essential to my growth. And that's internal. I do think that people need to make – there has to be a buy-in at the end of the day and that it's not wise as a teacher, as a pastor, it's not wise as a father to uh, force your children mindlessly or even like against their will into something because – well, first of all, it's not what we're showed by God. It's not how he does things. Right. And then secondly, uh, it does create blowback or pushback in any child who understands that they are, um, you know, beings made in the image of God and therefore need to be able to affect real time and real space. That being said, I think that our mentality in maturity is uh, it's wise to have many counselors. It's wise to seek um, you know, output or input from outside sources, so long as it you know uh, has the same worldview. So yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to end uh, our uh, look in the Christ Factor at Colossians at this point, and we'll pick up with Chapter Three next week. Let's uh, let's talk about relationships a little bit. So we're going to just today conclude our discussion in relationship and regard with spouses as we move in to look at other aspects of relationships that we have. Remember, what we've been doing is looking at the fact that God created us as relational beings, and we have relationships with, with everything that is around us, some, some material, some non-material, um, and we've been exploring the... Uh, our relationship with God, we've explored uh, family relationships, brothers and sisters, um, you know, how siblings interact, those types of things. And we've been exploring the marital relationship. And so as we close down the discussion we've been having on a number of different levels uh, in the marriage relationship, what I want to at least just spend a couple of minutes uh, in dealing with with that is to say that uh, because the marriage relationship is the, what I would say is the primary relationship that most people end up dealing with in their lifetime, aside from uh, aside from their relationship with the Lord, um, this is something that we have to work at. 
This is something that um, that you can, and we've talked about some of those techniques that you can use. These are things that um, you can't be lazy about, and you know it's hard to it's hard to be in relationship. It's hard to um, you know to put aside. Remember, <laughs> remember that in Christ um, we have died to self, right? But when you when you're in relationship with a, an intimate relationship with another person, self loves to raise its uh, head and to cause issues. And I I would say that the primary in in my mind the primary thing that makes uh, it possible for you to have a successful relationship with your spouse is um, is the art of negotiation. And that, and that you learn how to negotiate your, you know, your position on a particular issue, and you and your spouse negotiates, uh, in my case, her position on a particular issue, and then you come to a compromise that is beneficial to the relationship. That is not beneficial to one or the other but is beneficial to the relationship. And what happens in most instances is people polarize. And they go to what they want and only what they want. Or they can only see things from their perspective. But being able to see things from another person's perspective and, and to negotiate a point, to discuss a point, and then come to a common agreement on how to approach something, um, that's for me. That's probably one of the most difficult dynamics, but it, what allows for a relationship to be successful. At least that's my experience, and I've got you know, forty-four plus years working at it, and I still work at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm just thinking through that. I mean, I think practically all those things. I yeah I. I but I'm just thinking about the polarity of it in terms of how I would look at it. Because I try to, in relationship, I try to place the third person in the relationship. No, not Jesus. Um, uh, the person that's created by a union of the two, right? I try, okay. to, I try yeah. to take that third person and let that be the governing factor of the relationship, right? So you have, um, meh, that's not even the right way of putting it either. This, it's complicated, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're saying. The I try to let that be the person that I consider, and then I try to conform me to that, that person. So... Um, you know, so all of my all of my behavior is what's so a practical way of putting this is my personal behavior, um, my personal likes, uh, my dislikes, my hobbies, like those things need to conform to my fathership, my husbandship, um, so on and so forth, right? Right. And so, if there's something that my personal likes, for instance, I like Comic Con, right, and my wife doesn't like comic-con although i think she's missing out anyway smart woman anyway so um so that's that's josh that's not michela so 
so I'm going to come to, I'm going to say, this is a thing that I think is good about me. And this is a thing that I think is good in my fathership is being able to pass down legacy and storytelling and like all these things. So I'm going to come to my wife and say, this is what I want to, from myself, I want to exist in that third person, right? And so I'm going to come to her and I'm going to ask, how can we make that happen? I really want this to exist this way. And so she then has the responsibility then to ask herself, is this what I think should exist in that third person? And then if she decides, yes, that is the case, then we then are going to come together and fight for how we're going to make that exist, not whether we're going to make that exist. Sure. And I think that is... So I don't know if I would call it negotiation because it's not really about me, uh, the the starting point. Um, well, but you're but you're negotiating uh, uh, to get to a sp- to a point. You're to, to an agreeable point. Yeah, I guess it's what you're There's negotiating. Given to yeah, I mean the overall the oh, the uh, the overarching umbrella is negotiation not that not the fine point right so so for me it's the question of does this person which is um josh negotiate with this person which is josh and michela or does josh negotiate with michela or does josh and michela negotiate with josh and michela well, you may have some self-talk going on that you need to. Well, and I tend to think <laughs> I, I tend to think that the voice that should be heard most is this Josh and Michelle voice, right? Yeah. But none of them should drown out the other. No. This is your Trinitarian model, right? So the Trinitarian model being that God is God the Father, is God the Son, is God the Holy Spirit, but there's an inner working between them that never drowns out the other. Um, but still has submission. And that's what it needs to look like in relationship. And I think the problem is is that a lot of people put so much emphasis in one that they drown out one of the other. So either the husband gets lost in the wife or the husband gets lost in the husband and wife or, you know, and the model goes on and on so that n- nothing works correctly because it's not meant to work that way. Yeah, and, and I think that what we're describing is, remember, this is a complex relationship. And most of these relationships end up having difficulty because it is complex. And both parties have to be willing to work at it. Yeah. And make changes and adjust. And, and you know, my my wife and I are polar opposites on, on almost everything. Mm-hmm. And she will, if, if I like something or say i like something she will take the opposite side <laughs> just because okay i like it a particular well, way that is ridiculous well but that's that's just the way it works um we like to push the spout the buttons of our spouses well you know i mean it should okay so this is what women do oh boy women get ready will, get ready your sound bites women will will uh, uh take uh, two pieces of jewelry and go should i wear this or should i wear this uh-huh. So they're And they look exactly the same. Well, they don't look the same, but they <laughs> they color coordinate or whatever, but Do you like mob or taupe or salmon? But they're asking your opinion, right? Yeah. So then you give your opinion of what you think works the best and they will choose the opposite. <laughs> I thought you asked my opinion. <laughs> well, you know, so 
So, uh, of course, there's a little psychology there because I always choose the one that, that uh, I really want that, that, I, that I don't like. But, that but how do you know that she's, she's not gonna take the How do you know that she's not psychologizing <laughs> you? Because well, you've been with you long enough knowing that you're going to oh say yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that's <laughs> the trick right there. Then it becomes yeah. a game. But um, I just say what I think. You know, my my wife <laughs> my wife likes to uh, to watch. Um, she likes to watch. Uh, um, Perot. Yeah, Agatha Christie yeah. mystery type things. So Hercule Perot and Miss Marple, uh, Miss Marple, and we've and we've seen all of those. And I, I'm okay with those, but I'm happy sitting down and and watching a, uh, you know, a country western concert. Mm-hmm. And we'll, <laughs> and we'll, you know, there'll come a point where I'll say, okay, let's go ahead and watch this, and I'll watch it with her, not because it's my preference, because but because I I want you know her to. Oh, enjoy so you it. don't like mystery? You don't like like uh, Hercule Poirot? Some of it gets tedious after a while. That's right. You don't like complex entertainment. I don't like I don't like five or six storylines. Running, running at the same time. Yeah, that's I, I, I you were that. good with Marvel until it became the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Exactly, and yeah. then it, and then it just was crazy. You were um, just like when when they introduce when they introduce at the end of Iron Man the Avengers Initiative. You're like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, but that's but, when everybody was like, I'm on board. But there, but there'll be times when my wife will just you know say, please, I've had enough country. <laughs> Well, I can't take any more. I, mean, I think I take after my mother. There you go. Because so. I love, I love mysteries and I hate country. Yeah. So, um, so the point is, is that in order for there to be harmony in your relationship, first of all, it takes work. Second of all, you need to learn how to negotiate, and and uh, learn from scripture. You know, those things of how you interact with one another in love and submission and a desire for your relationship to glorify God as others look at it. And that, that I think that's what I would, I would encourage as we close at least this section in our relationships with uh, husbands and wives. If you don't want to add anything, then let's move on to my take. All right. All right, so is it what's my take or this is my take? This is my take. This okay, this is my take. Yeah. You know, we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, There's a lot going on. And we still got the c- Ukraine war going on. Hey, can I give you can I give you my take? Sure. All right, this is a personal take. You ready for it? Yeah. It's really not a take. It's like something I experienced. So I so we will not be, uh, unless Pastor Monty feels the need to, we might be going on vacation here uh, for two weeks. There's a little station break because I am going to Hawaii with my family. and Again? Again. I'm going to Hawaii with my family. It's happening. So anyway, right before we were going to go to Hawaii, they, they uh, um, extended the mask mandate, Right? They extended the mask mandate, which means that we were going to have to wear masks on the plane, even though we weren't going to have to wear masks on the plane. And then the the federal court, you know, puts the kibosh on the mask mandates, which I, th- you know, is amazing to me. And then now we don't have to do the mask mandates at all. So I'm stoked about it. But here's the thing that 
I'm interested in. Why is it that hours, hours after the mass mandates are deemed, uh, you know, unconstitutional, essentially, although we have to get to the Supreme Court to get there, but why is it that hours afterwards, all of the airlines just pull out of it immediately? Well, okay, and we were going to talk about that, so we can talk about okay, that. Okay, okay. I mean, the... The, uh, the I'm stoked about it, but yeah, no. The deal with the mask mandate was that um, the airlines, the the uh, uh, the heads of all of the airlines, not just a few, but all of the airlines, have been putting pressure on the Biden administration to to remove the mask mandate. Oh, um, see, that's what I didn't know. Yeah, and and uh, because their argument is, hey, come on, you know, this is a self-contained unit. You've got the freshest, purest air that is there. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's causing a lot of tension. There's no reason for it to be in place. The The rules that were, were put down were put down um, with the backing of the Biden administration, but the CDC was really the one who was saying, this is how we're going to do this. But I didn't know that the there senator, was... The Centers for Disease Control. I didn't know that that, that was the that the airlines wanted no mask. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why they were so quick to adopt it. Yes, that's... That okay. <laughs> some some in mid-flight. There were some <laughs> there were some pilots that came on Can and said... Can you imagine that? Remove your masks. You don't have to have mine anymore. Masks are no longer necessary. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, they were quick to jump on that. What the, what the, uh, what the federal judge said is that the CDC uh, ex- operated uh, without the authority that they had to. Yeah. So they, her ruling is, is that they didn't have the authority to extend it. How far back so, does that go, by the way? Well. The, the original idea behind the masking, which is a couple of years now, but the, origi- the original idea behind it was that we needed to have some protection because we didn't know what we were dealing with. Right. And so, the, and so people yielded to the idea that of, of a mask, even though uh, subsequently uh, scientific uh, research has shown that masks really don't, do, unless they're a particular type of mask, they really don't do much. So just covering your face really doesn't do much. But like, if did anybody get prosecuted or anything like that? And if so, does it like, is you know, does it undo that prosecution? Well, people weren't really prosecuted, but they 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 were not allowed to participate in something. They would be removed if they didn't put a mask on, for example. Yeah. Okay. So so what happened was was that the CDC came out and said, well. The masking thing is supposed to end April the 18th, mm-hmm. and so and then they came out and said, "Well, no, we're gonna we're gonna put two more weeks on it um, because we want to be sure." And basically, the federal judge says, "You've exceeded any authority that you have, which you have no authority," and so they threw it out. Now, what can happen is that the Biden administration can appeal it. Um, probably not before my trip to Hawaii is done. No, probably not that. <laughs> and, 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 and likely, there's not likely to be an appeal anyway because it would be, well, they've already committed so many sins that it's, uh, 
they're uh, politically uh, suicidal at this point. That would be political suicide. Oh, I know. Because people simply are just tired of the mask thing. Yeah. Um, so I, in fact, I, uh, I, you know, they, they did it late last night. So when I uh, powered up to drive this morning, it was still in place as far as Lyft and Uber. But an hour before I came to come here, mm-hmm. Lyft and Uber had also made uh, statements that they will follow that guidance and no longer require masks. Wow. So time you know, to so burn. Time to burn the masks. That's huh? yeah, so that's so that's a good. <laughs> so that's a good thing. But yeah. You're, in your case, see, what you were dealing with was that, you know, um, that the CDC had extended it beyond April 18th for two more weeks, and that's what the federal judge overruled. I wonder how many mask companies are tanking now. Well, a lot you of know, the, like mask there were very, makers. Yeah, there were very few mask makers that were exclusively mask makers. Yeah. Many of them did it as a, as a side thing. A little side hustle. As long as they could. Mm-hmm. So um, but anyway, that's that's the thing with the uh, with the mask thing. So yeah, I mean that's it's exciting, and yes, I'm glad you don't have to wear one to Hawaii because I mean that's really what it comes down to. It's right? ridiculous anyway. <coughs> but but we have uh, we have lots of stuff going on. Um, as I said, the Ukraine war is still going, and Putin's still you know um, you know rattling about you know he he doesn't like the United States' involvement in providing arms to you, to Ukraine. Yeah, he's threatening it, right? Yeah, or he's, he's making, like, he's bail threat, Yeah, threats. no, he's, he's, you know, he's saber-rattling is what they call it. And, yeah. and there may or may not be there. Last night on the news there was comments that the Biden administration has been lying to the American people that, in fact, he has ordered um, U.S. boots on the ground in Ukraine. Um, and he said he'd never do that. So I, I, you know, we're it's it's a little bit iffy at this point. We're Interesting. Just, you just have to kind of watch what's. Are going you on. of the opinion that the U.S. should be on the ground in Ukraine? What's your take? Eh? I am uh, <laughs> of the opinion that I I would not put U.S. boots on the ground. Mm. What I what I would do if it were me, what I would do is I would provide Ukraine with uh, ballistic missiles that were capable of reaching the interior of Russia, mm. and I and I would bring this war back home to the Russian people mm-hmm. when they get their own cities being bombed by Ukraine. There's going to be an uproar. Yeah, and that. Personally, that's what I would do, but you know. Um, okay, so so, <laughs> but what I want to uh, close out this section of our Disney, like I said, there's just lots of stuff. But there's a lot of people out there that are kind of woke and they get carried up in their wokeness. And uh, there was a uh, <laughs> there was a school district in Arizona that wanted to put on a pageant for its, uh, you know, for for people to enjoy. Yeah, and they. Um, they they hired a minstrel group to you know do a, a presentation, and so they had uh, people that were dressed up like famous people, like mm. uh, like um, you know um, Tom Selleck and 
and various you others. Like, you mean like a drag show? Well, it, wasn't, it really no, it wasn't a drag show. They were, you know, impersonators. They were okay. impersonators that they would they did a, a program with these impersonators. Well, one of the school uh, board people that that feel that uh, she's a uh, the protector of uh, of things. Uh, was angry because there was a person inside of the minstrel group who um, she claimed was uh, was portraying a blackface in in the way that uh, Trudeau had pr- uh, done blackface, mm. um, you know, and so she made a big stink about it. Come to find out, the person who was um, <laughs> was, was, black. was playing black was black, <laughs> and, and, and just the. Just the the ridiculousness <laughs> of you know. so yeah she filed a complaint and made a big stink and the guy said but I am black yeah I'm not playing black I am black <laughs> that's hilarious it's crazy we just we just live in a crazy world now okay so that, that's that that's all I got for for uh, my take and I think we just need to. You know, if people are going to look, here's here's the deal. You know, um, what people want is people, uh, particularly these people that deem themselves some type of a protector. Um, you know, they they need to um, under <laughs> they need to understand the facts before they call people out. Yeah, and they need to um, when when the facts are revealed that they were wrong, they need to admit that they were wrong. Yeah, they need to say it. I mean, you know, we got a whole thing going. See, what we got going on with right now with Black Lives Matter is that people are really angry that the leadership in Black Lives Matter bought a uh, bought a $5 million mansion and didn't tell anybody about it and then claimed that they were using it for the... Uh, the cause for, for the cause. Were they using it for the cause? Uh, no. Oh well, there no. you go. And and not only that, but they fi- they failed to file their nine ninety. Ah, the taxes will get you. Yeah, they failed to file their nine ninety. So there are people just right. Just ask Al Capone, right? So yeah. Yes, indeed. So they so they are right now. Uh, there are people who are saying that they should be investigated uh, for uh, for criminal behavior. Uh, because were they really getting this money? And see, m- most of the money that Black Lives Matter uh, got was from uh, corporate accounts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, white corporate America was feeling guilty about the whole black thing. Mm-hmm. And so they contributed millions to the organization. Yeah, they were getting their white savior complex on. The, the All while being blamed for having a white savior complex. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the whole that's the whole point of it. And not realizing that the founders of the Black Lives Matter are avowed Marxists. Yeah. Well, philosophically. They don't care. Yeah, they don't. So th- so there's a whole thing going on right now uh, because they found they have this uh, property and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Interesting. Is So is it is it being criminally investigated at all? Well, there are some people who like are calling for, for what criminal What would it be, embezzlement? Yeah, there are people that are calling for that. Yeah. Now whether whether that will happen or not again because the other thing is is we have 
um, across the country, are, we are having problems with uh, district attorneys that have weaseled their way into powerful positions that they're simply not prosecuting crime. And and so whether the Department of Justice would uh, prosecute this or not remains to be seen. I mean, we got lots of people over here that aren't prosecuting crime, so if they want to head our way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they only prosecute what they want to prosecute, and that's that's, Mm -hmm. the old saying that uh, uh, justice is blind. Yeah. You know, the whole, uh, for those of you that are a little bit younger and not, knowing what I'm talking about, but when you look at the symbol for justice, the symbol for justice is a woman who is blindfolded, holding scales. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the justice is blind, and it doesn't matter you know, where you come from and what influence you have. Justice will be meted out accordingly. That's not true, unfortunately, nowadays. Well, she may be blind, but her pockets are heavy. Well, it's, it's, it's just getting crazy. But my point was... Was that um, all you have to do is watch Law and Order? You'll see justice isn't blind. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. That's what we need in our carts. We need a Law and Order sound. Yeah. So the so uh, my point was was that um, a lot of these things that you've been told were real for the last so many years by the Democrats and by people who are liberal uh, investigations are beginning to wrap up. And we're finding out that, uh, you know, they're not real. Well, it'll be really interesting to see what happens as we get closer to the next election, like, cycle. Well, we're, we're in the next election cycle right now. Well, we're I mean, like, no actually seeing... You mean the yeah. presidential election? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out for sure. Yeah. But right now, what we need to keep our eye on is the midterms. Hey, let me ask you a question. Um... Okay, so Obama he served two. Yes. Can he can he run again? No. Can you only serve consecutively? Yes. Eight years and that's it? You can't run again like several years later? My understanding is is it's not concurrent. It is a total of. Okay, that's what I'm wondering. I, I'm not sure, so that's why. Just a thought process that popped into yeah, my that's, head. That's my understanding. But, but you know, the the limitation was a recent thing. I can't Franklin remember. Franklin Roosevelt. Yeah, it was under Roosevelt. He was elected four times. He served three. And then he died before he could do his fourth. Yeah. And afterwards, they were like, no, not again. I don't know why, though. I don't, I've never looked into why that is. Because in my estimation, and obviously the people's estimation, FDR was one of the greatest presidents. So, I mean, he did a lot. Uh, for the nation, I'm not really to, sure to why they to a degree, yeah, to a degree. Um, I I think that the issue of term limits and how they apply to uh, the offices that are held um, is a big issue. The problem is is that when you have the uh, you know when you fi- you have the fox guarding the hen house, nothing ever really gets done. Yeah. So for those of you who don't understand that, what I just said is basically it's Congress that writes these laws. Yeah. They're never going to write a law that that uh, that that puts them holds them back and puts them in check. They they just historically they haven't done that. Yeah. In fact, oftentimes what they will do is they will exclude themselves from the laws that they write for other people. It's sad, but but that's the case. 
So I would, you know, there's lots of interesting stuff going on, and some of it is humorous, and some of it's kind of sad. We definitely need to pray for uh, our country and pray for those that are in power because there are things going on that, that definitely can affect us. Let's close up with uh, what's up with that. I only have two what's up with that this week. You know, hey, uh, in in uh, in San Francisco, um, a uh, police officer was uh, caught on on a uh, iPhone, I think it was, pulling over a driverless car. Interesting. In 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 so it was uh, that the whole interaction was filmed with him trying to figure out what to do. Now, of course, the the uh, the police in San Francisco they they said, "Well, you know, our officers are trained and they know you know they know what to do." But the 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 car was pulled over. Uh, what? How, how? Interesting. So the car knows what to do when uh, it's told when in like a when the siren goes. I guess it would lights. need to be right. I yeah. guess it would need to for just like ambulances passing by. And yeah, the sensors would know. Yeah, that interesting. So they so they pulled this car over. Uh, the reason they pulled it over was because uh, it was uh, starting to get dark, and you know the law requires that your headlights be on uh, thirty minutes before dusk normally. Mm. Um, and the headlights weren't on, so because the driverless car, the driver didn't have to worry about seeing because it's driverless. Yeah. <laughs> so the headlights were not on. So the cop pulled the car over, looked inside, went, where's the driver? <laughs> he, went, he went back. To, it was funny because he went back to his patrol car. And then it started to drive away. And it started to drive, <laughs> yeah. it started to drive away. But then, the, <laughs> but then they, they stopped it, and they, they actually contacted the company. And the company, uh, <laughs> the company uh, had a technician turn the lights on. That is hilarious. It is funny. So, but this is this is something that we're going to see more and more as uh, these companies test out uh, Lyft and Uber and and uh, and Audi and and uh, BMW. Several companies have been working on. Uh, driving driverless cars are you worried about like the driver position when you like do your side hustle with lyft no nah, i'll be dead okay it'll be that long you think well here's here's my take on it is is that i know nope, this wrong is segment not, i know this is not <laughs> my take but here's here's my view on it is that um you know i think that within the next five to ten years that we're going to perfect the uh, technology and that we will see driverless cars starting to be available but the reality is, is that there's going to be a major branding issue. There's not only going to be a major branding issue, um, but on top of that, there are also going to be legal issues that are going to have to be worked out. There's so going to be insurance issues that are going to have to be worked out. Liability issues are going to be. So worked you're thinking out. it's a licensing deal, like the that like a company is going to perfect, you know, Google or whatever, and then they're gonna they're gonna get that into the. Uh, the different uh, car manufacturers, but the, there's going to be a licensing issue. There. Well, for example, if you if you look at Lyft, for example, as a company, Lyft doesn't uh, 
Lyft is not set up as a rideshare company exclusively. Lyft is, is set up to say that the whole point of Lyft is to design driverless cars which will operate off of their platform that's to go the pick people up. That's its mission? That's its mission. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm aware of that. But as I said, uh, not only do you have the branding issue. By branding, what I mean is um, there are a lot of people that uh, – well, I'll tell, I could just tell you personally, I'm not going to climb into a car with no driver or anything else and expect that car to take me safely where I want to go. Mm. I'm going to drive myself. I barely let you drive me anywhere. Okay. <laughs> I'm because a fantastic I'm, driver. Because I'm afraid we'll end up in Beaverton. Um, wow. <laughs> you, ever had, you ever had an old person that can't let go of a joke that, not, that was never funny? I've never heard that. With? No, I don't, I don't know anybody like that. Oh, okay. Well, I have. I'm sorry. Must be hard for you. So, so. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, uh, branding issue. I think that um, I think that young people, um, you know, millennials and below, will be more willing to take those types of vehicles as they become more available. Oh, totally. And the the technology is available. But as I said, on the flip side of things, so you got the branding issue of are people really going to be willing to do that? Um, But the other issue is um, one that is a legal issue. Yeah. And that is legally who's going to be liable if the car makes a wrong decision in, in accidents or, or worse, uh, a mistake so bad that somebody gets killed. Yeah. And, and those types of issues uh, have yet to be worked out on the horizon. And so uh, realistically, my take on it, I think that uh, maybe uh, 15 to 20 years before it's uh, anything popular in society. Interesting. But, I mean, and, and that's why I said, likely, unless the Lord uh, spares me, I'll be dead. You're going to be dead in 15 years? It's very possible. I'm old, Josh. You're not that old. Well, I know math's hard for you, but do the math. Yeah, you'd be like 110. <laughs> okay. Okay, so uh, here's the other thing. Hey, you know, how do you, uh, how do you get – so um, – you want your cows uh, when you're when you're milking your cows. I know you're a city boy, so you don't know much about dairy farming. I know what it is to squeeze a teeth. But um, but you want your cows to uh, to produce as as much as possible, and to and for them to be not stressed, right? So that the quality of the milk, yeah, of course, that they're producing is there. Yeah. Um. You know, Russia has figured out a way to do that. And the way that they're doing that is that they fit their cows with VR goggles. Interesting. And, and uh, you know, so, so basically the cattle are being fitted with VR goggles, and then they're playing, uh, um, you know, uh, music with, with uh, pastures. And, <laughs> and uh, their research shows that it actually works. Weird. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. They're like low input machines. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Like they're not. They're they don't have the same level of self awareness that humans have. So it's you know you just input something differently. That doesn't surprise me. 
Yeah, so they Interesting. The, the one thing that they the one thing they so the milk that they're producing is high quality and and uh, it's got a good flavor to it and they fatten the cows are are uh, the cows are um, rested and uh, it's 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 a worthwhile experiment. The one thing that they have not figured out how to do is to how to get the cow to produce chocolate milk. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's it's uh, it's nice that you think I'm predictable. Yes, I do think that you're predictable. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, then you should be able to predict this. Yeah, if you're someone who is seeking <laughs> answers, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, before we get there, we're, like I said, we're going to be more than likely out for a couple weeks here, so just keep that in mind. If you're someone who's seeking answers, you want to know more about your faith, your new Jesus Christ in the Bible, check out more of us at abfpdx.org, and we have a ton of resources there to share with you. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon. We are part of the Vigilance Radio Network, which is our uh, web portal that provides helpful and interesting resources for the church, local and at large. If you are one of those who's enjoyed this service, remember to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Remember, you can find it on ABF's YouTube page and everything else. Take a second to do that so that you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. And we do have some more content each week or this week uh we should be having a episode of culture insanity there's a lot to talk about in terms of what is going on in pop culture mm-hmm. um and we have uh, every wednesday we have the bible with pastor adam we have all sorts of sermons coming up i just preached a sermon um for the resurrection sunday service so you can check all that out every week and in general though not next week you can find our content on this show, Truth Time with Pastor Monty, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Uh, we'll probably maybe just post a rerun or something this this week. Um, in the meantime, I'm Pastor Josh, your co-host and senior pastor over here at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio.